0: That's a sad thing. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. My uh, great aunt lived in America, and on a number of occasions, Christmas presents that got sent over got broken in transit. It's quite a sad thing. Seems nothing more disappointing than a broken present after all that excitement, after all that anticipation. And you open it up and you find that it's broken. Maybe this Christmas we've got that excitement, we've got that anticipation after the restrictions of last year. Perhaps today, you you, you come, you start this day, you're gathered with your family, you have that excitement. Maybe not. Maybe you're watching online because you can't be here this morning. But sometimes we have these high hopes. And whether we came to today, you know, knowing that it was going to be like this. Or whether at the moment we've still got those high hopes and expectations. The question is, how is today going to end? Is Christmas Day going to end with that sense of feeling disappointed? How do we have a disappointment-free Christmas? Because that's possible. But so much of it depends on how far we press into the Christmas story. So have a look uh, at Matthew's Gospel. Matthew chapter 1. Verse 18 says, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Now in that culture, at that time, being pledged in marriage was quite similar to being married today. So when you get married today, normally what happens is you sign the register and then you have a party and then you have a honeymoon. And there's a space of hours between those different things. In the first century and in that culture... There was a space of a year kind of between the sort of signing of the register and the party and the honeymoon. And for that year, the, the couple would live apart until the husband came and he took his wife into the home. So in modern terms, this is a bit like here, Mary and Joseph, they've signed a register. They're waiting for the party. They're waiting for the honeymoon. We're kind of at the photograph stage. And let's be honest, that does feel like it can last like a a year sometimes. So that's where they're at at this point in time. Continuing verse 18. But before they came together, so before we get to the honeymoon, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So just picture the scene. It's a bit like this newly married couple filled with all the excitement, the anticipation of new life together. And they're at this photograph Stage. Now they're standing there, they're having their photos taken, and the green notices out the corner of his eye this unmistakable bump. As he looks to his wife, he sees this unmistakable bump. Now as a reader, we're told that this is the work of the Holy Spirit, the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. But just imagine how Joseph feels at this point in time. He doesn't know this Now, all he knows is what he sees and what he experiences in that instant. As he looks, as he sees, it's become clear that Mary is pregnant. And as he sees that bump, it seems a sign to him that that Mary has broken her promise. His dreams, his hopes have become shattered. All this excitement, all this anticipation. And he's left with something that is broken. And yet that's not the only shattered dream that we read about at the beginning of Matthew's gospel. If you look back at this family history of Jesus. Uh, at the beginning, it starts with Abraham. And if you've been here in our morning series, you've been seeing how we've been looking. at God's promise to Abraham this promise of, of great blessing. And verses 2 to the first part of verse 6 seems so full of hope and so full of promise. This promise of being a great Nation, and we go from Abraham and we go through to David, and not just David, but King David, David as the king. And God makes this promise to David as a king, saying that his throne, his family, so that the kingly throne, the Davidic throne, would be established forever. There will always be a king to sit on it. It's like this beautifully wrapped gift. And yet as we press on, as we sort of take the wrapping off, it seems to be a gift that is broken. To the second half of verse 6. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. We're suddenly confronted with the unfaithfulness of David in his life. And then we get to verse 11. Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. Where the kingdom was taken over by this world superpower. The kings were removed from their throne. And here it seems as though God's promise to David has been broken. Dreams and hopes, hopes of a nation have been shattered. And in both these instances, we have these beautifully presented gifts. They look beautifully wrapped. All this hope and this anticipation And yet when reality kicks in, when all that's taken off, what we're left with is a broken gift. And let's be honest, sometimes that's how Christmas Day seems to end. Now after all the excitement's gone, after all the presents have been opened, after all the food has been eaten, we can be left feeling empty, disappointed. The brokenness of life, once again, rears its ugly head, it looms large. We have this sense of disappointment. As we look at the brokenness, maybe in our own lives, in the world, once all that wrapping is removed, as we see things as they are. And if we don't have that sense of disappointment, If we don't see that when we read this story, when we look at life, then actually we're not looking properly. Because we do live in a broken world. And disappointment is an appropriate response. And if you come to the end of today and you do feel something of disappointment, it's not a sign that you're necessarily being unthankful. It is an appropriate response as we look at the hurt and the brokenness of this world. But it doesn't have to end in disappointment. Disappointment doesn't have to have the final say. The problem is not that we see. The problem is often that we stop short in our seeing. That we don't press far enough in. That we pin our hopes on a day. We pin our hopes on Christmas Day and we don't press far enough into christmas and when we just left with that sense of disappointment now it's a bit like reading through this family history of jesus and just stopping at verse 11 it's like reading through this account of of jesus' birth and, and just stopping at verse 19 but as we press on as we press on into Christmas, as we press on into this Christmas story, we see that it doesn't end with a broken gift. Christmas is not about a broken gift, Christmas is about the gift for brokenness. And so let's continue to look through here. I mean, just look back again in Jesus's history, the history of God's people. Where does it end? It doesn't end at verse 11. It goes on through to verse 16. To Jesus, he was called the Messiah. Now Messiah was a Jewish term which referred to God's anointed. The anointed one. This is God's chosen king. If you just look at verse 6, first part of verse 6. Notice after David, no one else is called a king. No one else is called a king after David. Although there were many people who were kings. Solomon was a king. Rehoboam was a king. I mean, all the way through to Josiah and Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of exile. They're all kings. But none of them here are described as kings. Because God's promise of an eternal Davidic throne is not to be identified with any of these people that we read in the genealogy. No one is called a king after David until we come to verse 16. Jesus, who is called the Messiah. He is the anointed one. He is the chosen king. See, God had never broken his promise to David. The promise was never meant to be fulfilled in all these other earthly kings who'd lived And died, the promise was always to be fulfilled, was to be secured in Jesus Christ. The promise has not been broken. And as we push through, as we press on in from that sense of disappointment, we see it doesn't end with broken promises, but fulfilled promises. Then we read of Joseph. In verse 19, he's come up with this plan that he's going to secretly. Divorce Mary to save her from public disgrace. But then we read in verse 20. After he considered this an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And said Joseph son of David do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. It's as though the angel is saying, Joseph, no, that, that bump that you see, that's not a sign of Mary breaking her promise. That is a sign of God keeping his promise. That bump that you see there, that's not a sign of your hopes being shattered. That's a sign of the hope for the world. As the angel declares, Mary's going to give birth to a son the promised son of David, you were to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to rescue us from our sins. And that's not because God is just interested in religious stuff and is not concerned with the brokenness and the suffering of the world. God is intensely concerned. And because of that, he will not settle for a superficial fix. He's not going to take brokenness and wrap it up in a bow and pass it off as a gift. Now the gift of God reaches right down into the heart of brokenness. Jesus came to save us from our sins. From our innate and our repeated rejection of God who is life. That leads to all our brokenness. Jesus came to rescue us from that. To bring us back to God, to the one in whom is eternal joy and peace and life. The gift of God goes right to the heart of brokenness. Because a Christmas day doesn't end with a broken gift. It is the gift given for brokenness. The gift that reaches right to the heart of it. And because God is good, he only gives good gifts. And so that first Christmas, he gave the best gift that he possibly could. He gives us his very self. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said for the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And however you are feeling right now, whether you are filled with still a sense of anticipation and excitement, whether disappointment has already set in. Disappointment is not how today needs to end. As we've considered, it's an appropriate response as we look at the brokenness of this world. But God has done something. He hasn't stood at a distance. He's entered into our world. That is why we celebrate today today. Because he has given the best gift possible, his very self, to deal with the brokenness of the world, the brokenness of our hearts, that we might be brought back to God, that we may have the life and the joy and the peace that is in Christ. Now, will you press into Christmas? See, our hope isn't found in a day. It's found in Christ. We press into Christmas by pressing in To Christ. So when that sense of disappointment comes. That's not where it ends. Don't leave it there. But press into Christ. And see the great gift. That God in his great love for you. Has given. That you may know. And find your joy. And your life. And your peace. In him. We're going to spend a moment now. Just. Just. Reflecting on that as we listen to this song.